Hello, everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Ross Frostick. And welcome to the Resties, where the rest of the best disgust. Disgust. Ah, damn it. I, I, was, I had it, it good this time. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. Sure, why not? <laughs> it's it's better. It's it's. I would say that's the best version that we've done thus sure. far. Sure, I'm Which, so hey, if you're emotionally. Joining now, <laughs> this week we're talking about the worst video games of our childhood to go along with the worst introductions, which are supplied by me. Uh, if you listen to the Besties Main Podcast, which I assume you do, if you're listening to this, uh, you'll know that we talked about the best video games or kind of hidden gems of our childhood, and this is. You know, what? I don't want to say it's going to be the negative version because I think I don't know about you, but like I love the bad video game memories of my childhood. I mean, they're very formative. They, they certainly are. like stick in your craw. Mm. Yes, very they do. They're going flavorful. to stick in in your ear craws, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, and then after that, we're going to talk about the analog pocket because I think uh, the world's best new Game Boy fits well with games of our childhood. Sound good? Sounds great. Let's do it right after a break. Okay, so the worst games of our childhood. I We, we each brought kind of like three games slash kind of categories. Does that we sound did, and, right? and before before we get into them, I do yeah. want to call attention to something, and I, I should have done it on the main besties, but I forgot, and now mm-hmm. I'm doing it now. Okay. You might recall when we talked about our favorite childhood memories from the main besties, I talked about a game featuring Baby Mario, and you ran, you crawled around as Baby Mario, and you would get like a star or something, and when you did that, you would be able to run uh, on two legs, and, and one level, you crawled on the ceiling, and everyone either thought it was totally made up, and I was having a fever dream, or they thought... It was Yoshi's Island. That's the, all those people were wrong. However, there were a small handful of people who correctly sleuthed out the true name of the game that I was talking about, which I did not remember. And now I know it is Bio Miracle Bokut Upa, the Japanese only Konami developed platformer in which you play as a baby. Technically, not Baby Mario. But that was the game that I was trying to think of. And in watching gameplay of it, indeed, it was Bio Miracle Bokut Uba Upa, which is a wild fucking game. And thank you to everyone who found that out. Yeah, we'll share a YouTube link on, on the Twitter because it looks like I think a pretty I did fun actually game. already. I, uh, I already did. So if you fest these it. pod, it's on there. Yeah. Um, okay. Now let's talk about the, the worst games. Okay. Now that we've talked about the best. Um, do you do you want to kick it off with with a game? Sure. Uh, I'm going to start with I'm going to start with ActRaiser two. Mm. <laughs> now, ActRaiser one or ActRaiser, it was ca- as it was called, is a great fucking game, a really bizarre game, a game that really doesn't have any parallels where half of the game is like a platforming action game and the other half you're flying around as a naked baby angel building buildings and giving bread to random people and uh, making roads. It's like a weird SimCity thing. It's like a God simulation, right? It's like a God simulation, but with an action like 
side scroller mixed in with that. Yeah, like a god simulation if you were Thor the god. Yeah, but like way darker. There's like moments where these this couple sacrifices their kid. Mm-hmm. It it gets it goes really crazy places. Anyway. Did the kid deserve it? No, big time mm-hmm. not. He was big. a sweetheart. That's sad. Um so they so Act Razor 2 happens. And this was, you know, I was a youngster. I think After Razor 2 came out in around 1993. So I was like 10. And back then I did not do a lot of research. Um, so I didn't know what to expect. But I was like, damn, I love the first Act Razor. I'm going to get Act Razor 2. Act Razor 2 remove, fully removed the naked baby space uh, city builder. Fully removed it. Gone. You are no longer an angel. All you are is this guy with wings and a sword. And every single level is just the side-scrolling action parts of Actraiser, which were fine, but never the thing that stood out to me. I always loved just flying around building roads as this little baby angel. He was great. Yeah. And that was gone, and it was so disappointing. It's like the opposite of modern video game development. Where like modern video game yeah. development, they'd be like, it would start out as, you know, a side-scrolling beat-em-up, and then be like, hey, for the next one, what if we added your god? And then be like, oh, okay. And then for the one after that, and like, what if we also added, like, survival elements? They just get yeah. bigger and bigger. Here. Scaled it know, back. I'm, yeah, I'm guessing I'm guessing that they, you know, the, the flying baby god element wasn't a big hit. You know, compared to... I mean, to, it was... It was for the fans, but I've heard, and this is not substantiated, but I've Mm -hmm. heard that there was like a rogue, like, uh, what is that? So uh, a focus group that came in and was like, yeah, action. People want action. Forget about the city building stuff. And uh, that's what ended up happening. I want to say, I think Dylan Cuthbert worked on the sequel. I'd have to go back and look at it. But um I remember someone tweeting about the fact that like, oh yeah, I worked on this and it was really disappointing because they totally like gutted everything that made the first one great. Yeah. For people who don't know who that is, Dylan Cuthbert worked on uh, Star Fox and was kind of like a wonderkind, very young guy who (laughs) worked on like some of the most formative games of this kind of generation. Um, Okay. So you mentioned, you know, not doing research. What I don't... I mean, I know what was wrong with me. I was a child and I wasn't thinking right. Yeah. I researched obsessively. I read Game Pro front to back mm-hmm. multiple times over each month. Great source. Great source. And, you know, I would I would look at the reviews and I'd be like, what are they telling me? And it would be like, oh, you've got to play this, like, I don't know, like, Legend of Mana yeah, it's five scary Larrys, which is to say, like a really great score. Oh right? yes. Now I'd be like, mm, I don't know, because that does look okay, but I don't know anything about these legends and mana. But I do know about Eek the Cat. I wonder if this Eek the Cat tie-in game with the Saturday morning cartoon Eek the Cat is gonna be good. And it would be like, no, like one out of five. Eek the Cat. So Game Pro knew. Game Pro. They knew. Credit yeah. to Game Pro. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm going to Blockbuster this weekend. I can win- rent one game. And I'd rent Eek the Cat. And that is like a formative memory of my childhood. I skipped so many games that people love now because I was playing like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game or a Simpsons NES game 
or eek the cat. And the, the worst thing about these like these tie-ins is there was always one that was good. Like there 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 is a good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade game. There I is mean there a were a couple. Good, yeah, they, it there happened were... now and then, but yeah. there was a lot of junk. Yes, that is true. I, I did want to ask one question about Eek the Cat. Mm-hmm. He would always say Kumbaya, mm. right? Right, I, but I, I not in the right. Not in the context that you would say kumbaya, because he'd say it as an exclamation, like something crazy had just happened, and not the chill kumbaya, like the meditative kumbaya. What do you think, what, what, what should someone say as a catchphrase in this scenario? I mean, holy cow would have worked. I, I don't know. I'd have to come up with like an original catchphrase for Eat the Cat. I'm just saying, I think he picked the wrong one. Would, kumbaya, do, like do it'd be it like- like, say, eek the cat, and, and, and this applies really to any character, but we'll use eek the cat. Sure. They go through their 30 minutes of hijinks. They live to see another day, and instead of saying kumbaya, they shout dainu. That would have been enough. Yes. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that would be. It so, would be the equivalent of, like, I know I'm going to stay on this. It would be okay. the equivalent <laughs> of, like, a ghost popping out at you and you screaming namaste. That's the equivalent of this. No, that makes sense. It's bad. Do you it's think, bad. how many people do you think are, are listening to this right now and going, what the fuck is Eek the Cat? And why have <laughs> they talked about it for more than anything else on this episode? That's a valid question. But th- those people are going to do some research and learn much about the mid-90s cartoons. That's true. Do you feel like people are maybe a little spoiled today when it comes to tie-in games? Like that they don't just, like, just really stink. They are. I feel like there are a lot of bad tie-in games, but they just happen on mobile. Mm. But like bigger games do not happen as often because they're too expensive to shit out. So yeah, back in the day, you would just like hire like ten people and tell them, "Hey, we we're working on a new, I don't know, Asterix and Obelix, and we need a <laughs> we need." I a mean, new fucking Goldeneye was made by ten people. Like back in the day, you could make those games with a small team. It was pretty wild. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's a different era. There are, just aren't as many tie I mean, there are franchise games. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. But in terms of like actual tie-ins, like, oh, a movie's coming out and alongside of it, here's the gamization of that movie does not really happen anymore, which is yeah, we don't get we don't get like a Star Wars video game where you fight, well, what is it? Spider, Scorpion, Darth Vader. That was in a Star Wars movie? In a in a game, do you what? not know about this? Oh my god! No, oh, there's a super. Yeah, at the end of the Super Nintendo, I think it's Empire Strikes Back. Somebody's oh, super Empire Strikes Back. Here. Sure. Yeah, you fight like a like insectoid Darth Vader. Whoa! Yeah, it rules. That's the the Canon. positive of this is there's just zero oversight. Yeah. Somebody's like, I don't know, video games. Do what you want. Just make sure it comes out like within a week of the release date. And they're like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. Okay, should I jump into my next yes, one? Yes, please. Thank you. That was a nice little detour. Uh, I'm going to bring a group of games. I, you co- sort of talked about tie-in games. I'm going to talk about shitty 3 ga- 3D games that tried to be Mario 64, but were not nearly as good as Mario 64. Mm. Um, one of them is Gex 64, which I believe that I've talked about on the podcast before, but just to remind people, Gex 64, I bought without doing any research, played it for five minutes, realized it was so bad that I went straight back with my mom to the Toys R Us. 
The guy wouldn't let me return it. So I cried and said it was broken. It didn't work. And it broke my N64 a lie. And uh, he let me return it. <laughs> so a uh, horrible game. Gex in general is pretty brutal to play. They, it's this like wise talking gecko who is not selling insurance. He's just like doing spy shit. But uh, this was the first time I think that they had gone 3D and man, just like not fun at all. Super stiff. The same voice lines over and over again. Brutal. Yeah, he, um, he kind of was yeah. uh, before him. There was James Pond. Yeah, which and Bubsy falls into that group. As yeah, well. but I mean, where it's like I'm a mascot, but also I'm I'm a spy. Yeah, it's like wait, why? Oh, that's true. Yeah, James why Pond you, was why, definitely. Why did you that. do that? Um. Yeah. So yeah, I, I see you have Bomberman here. Yeah, Bomberman sixty four. Not as bad as Gex no, sixty four. So Actually, bad. it's an okay game. But it was also that very early era of N64 where it was like, I will buy any 3D game to try it out because I want to recreate the magic that was playing Mario 64 for the first time and nothing came close. So it was just this like, yeah, this is okay. I'm like playing a lot of it, but it just was not very good. It just it felt stiff and... Uh, I mean, Bomberman games are only fun with other people, and I had no friends, so I'm so lonely. So, <laughs> did you, so did lonely. you play Glover 64? I didn't play it, but I'm familiar there was a glove. It yes, like your glove, hamburger, hamburger a four-finger glove, and you have a ball, and you move the ball around a 3D space. It's a bad, it's a bad game. Yeah. But my experience with this, and there are a handful of these games... I call them Ohio games because uh, when I had to go to see my family in Ohio during the summer, I could not bring my video game systems with me. Mm. So I had to make do with whatever was available. So that yeah. would be uh, there was an old Nintendo Entertainment System in my grandparents' house that had a copy of Bo Jackson Baseball, which I played into oblivion. Uh, same with Super Mario Brothers 2, which was my favorite Mario Brothers game just because... It had you to had be. no options. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I had to play it all the time. Um, and then Glover, uh, it was available for $10 in the bargain bin at a Toys R Us. Good so deal. So I got it for my cousin for his birthday. And then for years, way too many years, I would hijack his 64 and just play through Glover because it was the only game he kept. Makes no sense. That is bizarre. Yeah, that and he didn't even like choice. it. He just kind of got rid of everything. I, my my best guess is he gave his games, like traded them to other people for other stuff. Yeah. And then just couldn't find a home for Glover. No one has a home for Glover. That's true. Except for, I guess people were trying to make a sequel for it without getting the rights to Glover, which raises a lot of questions. Like, how much could the rights to Glover really cost? <laughs> and also, it, like, is there a second glove? Uh, well, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Does co-op? Oh, mm, mm, uh, I don't know. I don't. What was the tagline? It. The what was the tagline for Glover? Yeah, yeah. Give this guy a hand. Uh, I that was no it, glove, no it, love. Uh, was it? <laughs> no glove, no love. That's. <laughs> I love it. it. Just it just rhymes. Doesn't really mean anything. Oh, it means something. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. Okay. Here's 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 my second one. Um, did you ever see the Sega Activator? No. So I will try to describe it to you. I believe it's a hexagon. It is a 
shape that you would put on the floor, a big plastic hexagon uh, that would put on the floor, right? And you would stand in the middle of it, and it shot up, I'm assuming, like, infrared lasers up from the hexagon. Sure. So that when you moved your hand over a different side of of the shape, it would trigger a button press in the game. It was like Connect 1.0. Connect 0.01. Sure. So uh, what it made it look like when you saw the commercial was like, oh, you are going to play Mortal Kombat on the Sega Genesis. You are going to put the Sega activator in front of you, and you are going to fight to the death, and it will be like one-to-one in the game. Yeah. In reality, it was none of the above because... Again, you had to control an entire controller with your body. Sure. So not only were you like, you could hit punch, sure, but you also had to communicate that you wanted to move like up or left or right. Yep. So if you wanted to input a combo, it was more of just like a uh, interpretive dance. To yeah, it was like a like bop uppercut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, uh, similar to your experience, I, I I saw the reviews, knew, knew it was not going to be uh, great, um, but was convinced somehow because marketing uh, rotted my brain that it would work. I plugged it in. This was like the nicest gift my parents got for me for Christmas of any Christmas. Plug it in, uh, try it for five minutes, instantly know that I have made a, a colossal mistake, mm, Yeah, but then have to basically perform that I love it and that it works for the next like week to not insult my parents. Yeah. Oh, there you're a sweet little boy. Yeah, but what like a sweet little Chris Plant boy. <laughs> well, also I was I was like I, I I did not exercise a lot during this period of my childhood. Sure. So I was winded most of that week. Um, it was it was a rough time. And then what happened? You just never touched it again. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I hit it. I, oh, yeah. I I broke it down and I hid it under my bed. Yeah. Um, and I th- I must have just told them that I like I let a friend borrow it and they never gave it back. And like, oh, I blame them. But yeah, yeah. I, th- there's a video of uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, the film critics, using the Sega activator. Did they um, get money I, from Sega for that? No, I think they were doing like a, it was like one of those Christmas time, what's oh. happening in the world of video games? Yeah. And it's them boxing each other. And uh, Roger Ebert seems very confused and exhausted. And Gene Siskel seems just extremely proud of beating the living shit out of uh, Roger Ebert in a video. That's his dream. That was always his dream. That's true. That's true. Thumbs up. Okay. What is your your, your final thing? My final thing is the super scope. The super scope. I think I for, this was like a. It was like a. It looked like a rocket launcher. It looked yeah like a bazooka, like a shoulder-mounted bazooka, and it was basically you know on the NES they had the zapper, which was like a pistol for duck hunt. This was the Super NES version of that, and it looked like a bazooka. And there were a number of games that you could play with this bazooka type device on your shoulder. Uh, you know, they're all like shooting light gun games. It basically, the technology was exactly the same as the as the Zapper. The difference, it fucking sucks to keep a bazooka on your shoulder while you're playing video games. It's not fun at all. It's not accurate. 
and um, all the games kind of sucked. And then suddenly I had this horrible plastic thing in our house. And like, same deal with you. I played it for like a week trying to like convince myself that I had made the right choice with my brother and it never clicked. And I just felt stupid. Like it was, it was like a big gift for us. It was like a really big deal. And I felt like an idiot. And I was, I, I was, I grew up <laughs> to never make that mistake again. Cause now I do all the research and I make sure what I'm going to be playing is great. Unless yeah, I have never to play a bad video game. That's never, <laughs> never. Sucked. Were bazookas, is a bazooka still like a thing for like people now? I feel like, like a bazooka, in the like real when we were a kid, it was like a bazooka is like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And I don't you, think. Are like, you talking about toys? Are you talking about like the. The very idea of a bazooka. I mean, it. Ex- I mean, the closest analog is in the real world is a RPG, a rocket propelled grenade. It's yes. Essentially that. And it's used quite a bit in war yeah um, i guess it appears in games i guess i don't know i, I think of like anytime you, in an imaginary play with friends you'd be like oh you've got bazooka. a water gun well i've got a bazooka yeah it was the it was the ultimate it was the nuclear option without being nuclear it's true it's true anyway here's my final one down memory lane as we go pit fighter did you did you yeah no I I played it in the movie theater. Oh, basically at like they had like an arcade Pit Fighter. It was terrible. Yeah. So before Mortal Kombat, there was Pit Fighter, and it was like one of the first two or three games to do that thing where they uh, put an actor in front of a, a green screen or blue screen, I think was in this case, and photographed them, and then animated the characters using photos of real people. Yeah. Um. I did not play it in the arcade. I played it on the Sega Genesis. The only selling point of this game was the lifelike photos in the arcade version. The fighting was atrocious. Yeah, it was, it was really like bad. Punch, kick, not much else. Uh, the Sega Genesis version didn't have that lifelike visual look, uh, and it also didn't have good fighting. So it was just bad. But I this was the age of uh, John Claude Van Damme. This mm-hmm. was the age of Bloodsport being the yeah. only thing that my friends wanted to watch was their brother's VHS copy of Bloodsport. Um, and we just played it because there was nothing else. And that's how I feel about all of the Mortal Kombat like, predecessors, but also like all those clones. I have a real soft spot for these games that are not good, but they saw the Mortal Kombat hype and they're like, let's go for it. Let's dress up a series of like actors you know, working actors in St. Louis or Chicago or wherever the game studio's at, let's get them to uh, look like, I don't know, like an alien, a chef, and um, a DJ at a rave. And we'll just have them fight. Yeah, we'll it was sell pretty... like 70 bucks. Yeah, it was pretty easy to just like use the model because like, it's not like you needed like a license. You didn't need like the NBA license or whatever. You just like copied the format. I mean, there were Doom clones as well. Like, everyone was sort of, like, taking the basics of something and then making a shittier, cheaper version of it. And, uh, yeah, there were a lot of uh, Mortal Kombat clones. I don't remember liking any of them. Like No, well, and it was also a thing that's, like, I guess hard to believe now, but the whole selling point was, like, 
oh, it looks like real life. Yeah. Because they're photos of real people. And now I, I don't know what the appeal would be for like revisiting it unless you had really bad nostalgia. Yeah. Do you think this is the like most I walked up skill? <laughs> this is the most I walked uphill both ways to school type of episode that we've ever done. Insofar as we're very old. Yeah, it feels like very like, I can't imagine listening to this and being under the age of like 25 and being like, oh my gosh, these, these, these geezers. Well, I, I also kind of wonder whether people that are like in their teens and 20s now are playing very many bad games because yeah. there's so many resources to tell you whether something's bad or not that I feel like most people are not just like buying stuff sight unseen. I also just don't feel like that many bad games get made. Which, that bad. You mean that yeah, bad? Yeah, like, like like this bad. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, you can always find, you know, just go on Steam and see the Every 30 games that got released games, today. Yeah. But I mean, anything that people are mildly aware of or gets, you know, actually gets a hard copy of that game, they can be rough and they can be not not great. But they're not like, oh, this is borderline not playable. Yeah. Right? Like, that Superman 64 is the one that always comes to mind of, like, I I can't believe that this is a thing that people put out into the world and then yeah. asked for money for it. But then again, Battlefield 2042. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's true. Got that's true. That's true. You got him good. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, we did it. That was... That was, you know what? It, like I said, it makes me, it makes me miss some of these. I like, I, I sincerely want to go back and play some like bad Simpsons NES games tonight and just see like. I how mean, you I have left. the device to do it. That's a good segue. I do. How about we talk about that right after the break? Mm, sounds good. Okay, I'll let you steer this because I feel like you are more of a, a pro classic gamer. You think that's true? I don't. I think I feel like when it comes to something like uh, Game Boy games, I feel like you might have me beat. I did play a lot of Game Boy games, and and the thing that we're going to be talking about, uh, and we've talked about a little bit on uh, Main Besties. I know Griffin mentioned it in passing, is the Analog Pocket, which is a handheld device that was made by a company called Analog. The company is famous for producing these. Um, consoles that basically will run old cartridges just like you plug it in and the old cartridge works using a technology called mister that i'm not going to explain here because i only halfway understand it and chris grant is not here to explain it for us but the big news is that they've this they've gone ahead and released the analog pocket which is their first handheld console and it is specifically designed to run games from the game boy game boy color game boy advance Game Gear era of games. Um, some of those you need an attachment to actually run the cartridges, but it will run all of those. And um, yeah, so I've been using mine for, I guess, probably a month now. Plant, probably you're the same. Give yeah, about that, yeah. Um, it is a very interesting device. It uh, is like the most high-end version you could of like playing those games from that era. So it's this weird dichotomy of like, these are very generally very simple games. Like if you play a Game Boy game, it's pretty simple, but you're playing it on like 
the best possible screen with like very fancy software driven filters trying to like recreate the accuracy of what it was like when you originally played it but not even because when you originally played it you played it let's say on a game boy that didn't have a backlight and you were trying to use the street lights as your parents were driving to like light your game of uh, samus 2 yeah, so you couldn't save and you had double a batteries that were gonna die any minute right so it sort of smooths over a lot of the like really pain in the ass aspects while making it possible to play these old games. Yeah, I mean, um, for example, with the screen, I believe it's four times the resolution of the original Game Boy, but it's the same aspect ratio. So it looks just like the Game Boy did, but it has four times as many pixels, so it's extremely, extremely, extremely crisp. Yeah, it's very sharp, whereas if you were to go back and look at like an original Game Boy screen, there was some mushiness to it yes yeah the the best i can explain it yeah and it doesn't lose some of the things that when you play these games on emulator they they kind of disappear like i don't know the effect but it's like a ghosting or flickering effect uh that can happen if you see a ghost in a certain games it was used intentionally but it's a hard thing to emulate in this this version of it the analog pocket using mister again it effectively recreates the exact same setup as an original game boy yeah Um, it is not emulation in in the traditional sense that you think of emulation when you are playing it on a pc or even on uh any of the other handheld devices that you can buy on amazon yeah now a a couple things to note one this is not me like bragging but these are like more or less impossible to find right now uh, the pre-orders for this, I think, go to 2023 at this point. We ordered so, ours two or three years ago. Uh, I think it was mid, early to mid-2020 is when... Was it? Oh. I think so. You think it was 2019, maybe? End of it was a long time ago as a story. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, and, and here's what I'll also say. Like, it's not a perfect experience right now. Like, it's, it's a little bit janky. Uh, just me... You know, cartridges work fine, but there's some, the software is definitely not finished. They've been very uh, upfront about the idea that it's going to take a month or two before most of the bells and whistles are actually working in the software. So you can run the games, but for example, there's features with like saving, like backup saves and stuff like that, that just aren't working right now. And the community is sort of working its way towards making you know fan software this thing can run like homebrew if you want to like design your own game for it you could do that too but the community is still like just kind of getting the getting to grips with the hardware so i feel like there hasn't been very much uh movement on that front apart from like the community kind of recreating a lot of games to work natively using like the os do you have any games that you went back to yes what what are they uh, so I have a tough time going back to Game Boy era games. There aren't too many of those games that like, I think hold up. Like if you play like Super Mario Land, for example, it's just like a shittier version of Super Mario Brothers. Like there's really no reason to ever play it, but there are a few games that I like totally love and will always boot. Um, the Mario Golf game on Game Boy Color, fantastic I do not have it on a cartridge on Game Boy Advance. If I did, I'd be playing that nonstop. Amazing game. Um, 
I also want to call out, you talk about kind of tie-in games. The Metal Gear Solid game on Game Boy Color is holy shit, so good. Like one of the best Metal Gear Solid games ever came out on Game Boy Color, which is very bizarre, but it just uh, captures everything that I love about Metal Gear Solid without being kind of totally burdened by the like shitty parts of Metal Gear Solid games, which are like overlong cutscenes and kind of uh, cringy writing. Here, it's just like a really good stealth game with with interesting characters and upgrades and great pixel art. Really amazing. It looks um, beautiful. <laughs> it yeah, looks gorgeous. really, really nice. Uh, what about you? Um, uh, I went and tried this game, Hey uh, Ankyo Alien. Okay. Have you ever heard of this? No. So I... I had kind of a list of like, oh, I should go and try these Game Boy games one day and then never did anything with it. And then it accumulated them when I saw like, oh, I saw this at a shop for five bucks, you know? So I was excited to finally give this a try. It's pretty great. You are, when I understand, a police officer and aliens are attacking your city. Okay. And you dig holes, which they fall into, and then you cover them up with dirt. Interesting. And, and that's the whole game. And it's kind of like it's a top-down view. So it, it, it kind of like Dig Dug meets yeah, that's, Pac-Man. It sounded like, like Somewhere Dig in between those two. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm really, I really like it. Um, it's one of those games that I think I will play more once the software for the analog is all fixed up. Because I am kind of waiting for them to figure out all the save state issues. Yeah. Um. But yes, that, and then I believe it's called The Legend of the Fisher King. That can't oh, be yeah, right. sure. Is it? Yeah, it, I think it is called that, yes. That can't, it can't be Ledger, Legend of the Fisher King. Can I think it? it is Legend of the Fisher King. Because Fisher King is a movie. <laughs> I know. No, it's Legend of the River King. Oh. <laughs> that would be such a different movie. I've seen the Fisher King. Yes. Uh, yeah, no. Legend River of the King, River fair. King, um, which is... Uh, there's a Game Boy Color version of it that is great. I think this is actually available on Switch, if people are curious. I think. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, uh, it was definitely available on 3DS, and it's just a great fishing RPG. If you like really basic fishing mechanics in your video games uh, and then want that kind of, uh, I guess, a Mario Tennis RPG style thing that was going on at the time, this is a great option. Really recommend it. There is one game that I have not played yet, but I keep hearing people talking about it, and it is The Frog for Whom the Bell Tolls. What? Have you heard about this? No. It is a Japanese-only game. It never came out in the U.S., and it uses the Link's Awakening engine. It came out before Link's Awakening, and apparently it's really fucking good. Oh, yes. You're this like, looks really interesting. You're not a frog. You're like a person. At least I'm going off of the box art here. But um, everyone's like, everyone says this is like the like sort of forgotten Game Boy era game because Link's Awakening sort of gets a lot of attention as like the must play Game Boy game. And this was the predecessor to that. Um, is there, and, there's an English fan translation? Uh, there is. I've heard that the patch is still a little squiffy in terms of like running smoothly mm. but 
This is like a internally developed Nintendo game using the Link's Awakening engine. It's like an alternate no reality that would just no one ever experience this outside of Japan. And it's very, very cool. I, I'm very much looking forward to playing it. I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. Did you know that several characters from this game appear in Link's Awakening? <gasps> no. That means that they should be in Smash. Definitely. Actually, you know what? Looking at this Wikipedia, main protagonist appears a assist trophy. Some oh. character in Smash Brothers. That doesn't surprise me. Who? Man, wow. I was so disappointed by all those Smash <laughs> DLC characters. <laughs> I was, uh, talking about a grumpy old man. Like, none of that was for me. None of it. Kingdom Hearts don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me give me the frog boy from the, Who the Frog the Bell Tolls. <laughs> that's true. The, 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 the cover art for this is really really nice it, it it's gorgeous has, yeah i i want a copy of this on my wall i know it's frameable it's very frameable okay i think i think we did it i think that's the analog pocket it's a great little thing i think we'll be talking about it more once it gets cleaned up you know I, yes I, I, maybe you know what maybe as a a, a resties we can talk about for whom the frog bell told. oh that'd be fun it'd be nice right yeah I think that'd be good. Um, should we do some reader mail really quick and then we can yeah, get to our recommendations? It. Yes. Okay. Uh, this one is from Joe. If Doom is the embodiment of metal in video games, what is or would be Ska? Oh, uh, I mean, what immediately jumped to mind was Tony Hawk. But that maybe yeah. that is because Ska is in it. Yeah. But I guess metal is in Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think that probably is like the the fair comparison, yeah. right? Because like Doom, literally, it just has metal in it. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I wanted to say something like kind of goofier, but I think you nailed it in one. Did it? Um, this question is from Anthony. Is Vampire Survivor and Snake RX a look into what phone games are going to turn into over the next year? So. Fresh, have you seen Vampire Survivor? No. Oh my gosh. So Vampire Survivor, um, it, I mean, Snake RX is a good comparison here. Snake RX, we talked about, I'll get this first. We talked about this in a previous episode. It's like Snake, the game Snake that used to be on every Nokia phone back in the day, speaking of being old, uh, except for you uh, could have combat and you added powers to your snake. You added like different kind of like characters effectively yep. in your little group. Vampire Survivor is another game where there are just massive swarms of enemies, 2D, top down, that are, are I guess, kind of isometric, that are attacking you. And as you kill them, you just keep getting upgraded powers. So you're just moving around, kind of like I made a game with zombies in it for okay. us yep. and nobody else. Um, and, uh, but the, the reward system of these upgrades is like very cheeky. Um, like a big treasure box comes across the screen and I think like balloons and gems fill the screen. Mm. It's very, it's very, um, popping bubble wrap, opening a can of soda makes you feel good sort of thing. Right. Yeah. I think these, I guess I don't know what to call them other than distraction games. Because they're not idle games. They're like games that just, you know, they're pure. It's just the dopamine hit of a sure. video game. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if I think that's like where mobile games are going, but I do think we'll see more of those. And I could see those being like a thing that pops up on Game Pass because they seem like games that only you only need a person or two to create them, but they can be very addictive to a large number of, of people. Yeah, um, I also th- I think like uh, Steam Deck will be a big home for them. Yeah, yeah, but like in terms of mobile games, I mean, I think the the direction that mobile games are going, I guess maybe not in the next year, but I was going to say it, it's just game games, right? Like it's Genshin Impact. Um, I don't know if that's fair for the next year because I think it's going to take a little while. But you know, we we talked about the Microsoft Activision acquisition. And the future for Microsoft is getting Game Pass on your phone and letting you play whatever you want on it and then maybe porting things directly with King, um, who are the people who created Candy Crush. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I I think you're still going to see like very creative, uh, you know, phone games coming out, but not as frequently, whereas you will see, yeah, like, cloud-based gaming on phones i think that is just going to become the norm where it's like oh instead of pulling out your switch you're pulling out your phone to play whatever yeah um yeah um one more question uh this is from nanu when do you predict the next gen consoles will be quote worth it uh okay so if you don't currently have a next gen console which i assume you don't based on the question I think the best way to do this is if you current you have a whatever, and by next gen, obviously we're talking about like Series X, PlayStation 5. If you have a current gen console, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, what have you, it's really once the games start running painfully bad to you that you should maybe consider upgrading. And 2U Bef- is the big part here. And 2U is just totally subjective. Like, you might not notice the difference between 60 FPS and thir- 30 FPS. Or you might not notice screen tearing, for example. So- for some people, that's like eye-bleeding territory. You can't deal with it. But other people, they have, you know, they're having a good time. So who cares? Because all of these games are coming to both, you know, it's really up to you and whether you can tell the difference between that I certainly can. I get a lot of value out of like playing games on next gen consoles because I'm very, very picky when it comes to that stuff. But I think most people probably can't. And that's great. That means you can like ride the wave of the last generation and play all these great games and new games so long as they run fine. I don't know that, for example, like God of War Ragnarok is going to run super great on a PlayStation 4 launch device. Like, probably going to be pretty clunky, but. Maybe you can't even tell the difference. So if that's the case, go go with God, like live it up. Yeah, this isn't the perfect m- metaphor comparison, but it, it reminds me of like uh, wine. Like if you only drank 10 to $20 bottles of wine or cheaper because Trader Joe's is down the street and tastes great, you're going to be totally fine with $10, <laughs> like che- cheaper bottles of wine, right? Yeah. And the 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 problem with once you start spending more money on wine or on video game graphics is it does i think get to this diminishing returns part um 
where you become maybe like us, where you start worrying about PC gaming with high-end GPUs because you can spot the difference between 1440p and 4K graphics. Or like which, ray tracing. I'm like, I'm, I care about this stuff a lot. Gun to my head, I can't tell when ray tracing is on or off. <laughs> I really can't. I've tried, I can't. So like everyone has their like blind spots. And if you have that, in this case, blind spots are good because it means you can enjoy stuff at, at its height without worrying about like what you're missing out on because you're really realistically not missing out on much. Yeah, I think, I think that is spot. Same token, never buy expensive headphones because the second you hear like really good audio from really good headphones you will be disappointed to go backwards. So never buy those headphones. That is a really great advice because- Isn't it? Yes, that, that is the advice to end all advice because it really does ruin it. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's, Sucks. that's a good point. Um, okay, you got any recommendation for the week? Uh, I was thinking about it. I, uh, I don't think I have anything new. Mostly I've just been playing um, Fortnite and because of that, I learned about a song called Dance Monkey, which I hadn't heard about. But uh, now I, yeah, the fact that I'm learning youth culture through Fortnite is extremely funny to me. So <laughs> um, I don't particularly like the song, but they seem nice enough. It's not for me. And, but people got really excited because they added an emote with Dance Monkey. So that's what's been going on in my life. Fortnite's a really good game, though, and a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. Wonderful. Uh, because I want to go even older skewing. I watched Bringing Up Baby. I've seen it. You've seen it? It's, this might be the first Chris Plant snobby pick. Not a snobby pick because I've seen it. But it might be the first one that I've actually seen. And it is a blast. I actually really, really like this movie. It's a delight. It's Cary yeah. Grant and Katherine Hepburn. And it, I, I, it is the proto-Manic Pixie Dream Girl movie. Yes. Uh, which, I mean, I don't even know if it's fair to say that because that's just what a lot of screwball comedies were then all the way up to What's Up Doc with Barbara Streisand. It was a, a different type of thing than the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind era of this. But what a delight and what a terrifying movie to imagine being filmed because there is a leopard in it and yep. I keep waiting for it to like eat everyone on the screen. You want you want to give the quick quick premise, quick pitch on what it's about. The premise is there's an uh uh well they call him a zoologist, but I would assume he's an archaeologist who uh is trying to get funding for his d dinosaur exhibit at a museum, and then just happens to come across Catherine Hepburn, who is well I don't want to spoil it, who's relevant to the plot. Yeah, and then she gets a leopard. <laughs> in the mail and she calls him over to help her take care of it and by the way he's supposed to get married tomorrow to a different woman yeah it's one of those plots that uh, only in a classic movie you know like it would not work today but when you're watching it and it's in black and white and everybody's just having a good time you're like sure why not the, of course this the is thing what that the thing that stood out to me about that movie when i saw it was how many sh scenes take place with the leopard for sure definitely on set right next to the stars of the movie mm -hmm. in like really dangerous fashion. Like this could have gone south really quick. Sometimes but chewing their clothes. Yes. Like the yeah. leopard is in the car with them. The leopard is in the hotel room with them. 
very easily could have gone bad. Yeah, and, and and also like two of the biggest stars in the world. Yes, you know it's not like these people were just you know <laughs> they would do anything to get in a film. Yeah, yeah, it's I fun don't know. though. It it, it is a laugh. It is fun. It's very fun. Screwball comedies turns out pretty good. Um, they don't make them like they used to. You know, they that's don't. what I like to say. Uh, okay, recapping what we talked about game wise and everything wise. We talked about, oh my, Act Razor 2 for the Super Nintendo. We talked about uh, tie in games for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Simpsons, and of course, Eek the Cat. We talked about 3D platformers in the Mario 64 era, including Gex 64, Bomberman 64, and Glover. We talked about the Sega Activator, a proto version of the Microsoft Connect in some capacity. We talked about the Super Scope, which was a light gun for the Super Nintendo. We talked about Pit Fighter and uh, just in general, Mortal Kombat predecessors and clones. And then we talked about the Analog Pocket. And you recommended people try Metal Gear Solid. I recommended that they try, uh, I already forgot its name. The Alien Game. Yeah, the Alien game. Uh, Hainkyo Alien. Uh, And you also mentioned The Frog for Whom the Bell Tolls, which apparently there's an English translation out there that people can try if they really want to. Uh, We also talked about Fortnite and the song Dance Monkey, which (laughs) Freshik keeps telling me is with the youngs, and I am convinced it is not, and it has been around for years. Uh, And uh, I also recommended checking out Bringing Up Baby, which I believe is on HBO Max right now, if you want to give it a watch. And that's it. We did it. Did it. (sighs) Do we know what we're doing next time? Uh, Steam Deck games? Is that that week? Wow. I mean, they keep telling us the Steam Deck's going to happen. I don't want to get mean, my Some people up. do have them. Really? Some people have them. Yeah, developers have them. Well, well, yeah, sure. Not normies like us, but developers have them. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just like really skeptical that it's going to happen, but I'm, let's I hope it's it. good. I hope it's good. That's I really hope it's good. Um, I think I think we'll we'll keep it under the uh, an act of radical optimism that this thing yes. is going to actually ship. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Fresh, for being just my number one best pal. Oh, you're show. welcome. Uh, uh, you can follow top us. Three definitely. Top three. <laughs> I'll take it. I mean, that, I assume that includes your wife and your child. So it does. It does. Pretty good ranking. I won't tell you the order, but I, I you know what? I would actually be concerned if I was in the top two there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the Best Use Pod. You can leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Spotify if you want. Uh, or you know what? You could just share the show, the show with a friend. And some family, because that does us a huge solid. And that's it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Resties, where we celebrate the best of the rest. That wasn't what you said at the beginning. And done.